embrace the love of God goes like a flame. Through endless years, it is the same. The love of God will never fail nor lose its glory till we see him face to face. Please be seated. Well, I've been a bad boy this morning. I needed a sermon illustration, and I was kind of looking for a rock all the way from the hotel room this morning till I got here, and there's just not, you don't leave many rocks on the side of your highway. I don't know what's wrong with you people. But when I pulled into the church property right next to you is some construction going on, and and I noticed that they have a lot of good-sized rocks. In fact, I could have found some smaller than this and larger than this. In fact, if my wife were here, and she intended to be here, but uh, as you know, uh, my father-in-law passed away this uh, past week, and so we had his service yesterday morning in Oklahoma City. So my wife stayed to be with her mother. But if she were here, she would, she would be very angry with me because I, I've been holding this with my right hand, and I had a stint put in on Tuesday... And they went in through my right arm, and I'm not supposed to hold anything above about four or five pounds. And, and she has been on my case all this week with luggage and this and that. And she would be very tense right now. Now, I'm supposed to do this for about four days. So technically, technically at four o'clock this afternoon, I, I'm good, okay? So we're close. But I want this rock that I'm holding to serve as an object lesson this morning about a burden. And in fact, right now, this is not much of a burden, but if I keep carrying this rock, and if I keep holding on it, my guns are not what they used to be, you know, when I was younger. This is really going to get to be a, a, a much larger burden than it is now. That's what happens when we carry a burden for any length of time. It gets heavier and heavier. In fact, I'm not going to carry this burden much longer. I've invited Ender. Where's Ender? Come here, Ender. I thought I'd get one of these good-looking, tall, strong, strapping kids, and he's going to hold my rock. All right. You just stand right there. Don't drop it. Don't just, just hold it. All right. Don't throw it. <laughs> but I do want it to serve as symbolic of of how difficult it is to carry around the hurt and the pain and the offense from something that has happened to you maybe long long ago and it it hits awfully close to home i know for some of you because some of you have come into this worship assembly this morning and you are carrying a far more difficult burden than this rock. And you've carried it for a year or five years or 20 years or maybe longer. And it gets heavier year after year after year. You okay? All right, because we're this, this sermon is not near done. <laughs> My prayer for anyone 
who has come into this place carrying the burden of some hurt or pain or offense that you have not let go, I hope today can be a, a watershed moment for you. My prayer is that you can leave this morning more free and less burdened than you have been for a long, long time. And we're going to talk about forgiveness. And let me share with you a few things about forgiveness. First of all, forgiveness doesn't mean that you just simply erase the memory of the past. You can't do that. It is impossible to forget what has happened. Because you may be saying, preacher, this all sounds good, but you don't know how deeply I've been hurt. You don't know what he or she did to me. You don't know how much my pain feels. And you're right. I don't know. And you don't know about my pain either. But one thing I do know is when you have been hurt greatly, you never forget. And another thing about forgiveness is we don't keep a record of the wrongs. One of the English professors back in Searcy is Michael Claxton, and here recently he shared a book with me that he has all of his students to read in his class. It's a book entitled Reclaiming Conversation, The Power of Talk in the Digital Age. It's written by a lady by the name of Sherry Turkle. And in the book, there is a woman in her 30s who begins to list the advantages of having online arguments with her business partner by way of text. They discuss ideas and disagreements with the text. And here's what she says. When we text our disagreements, she says, we get our ideas out in a cooler way. We can fight without saying things that we might regret later. And then she adds this one final benefit. If we fight by text, I have a record of what he said. <laughs> well, that's what forgiveness does. It forgets about the record, and it lets that go. Forgiveness doesn't minimize the pain. It doesn't say, oh, that's okay, that didn't hurt, or it didn't hurt all that much. It did hurt. It hurt greatly. And maybe you're still carrying the pain of that even today. And forgiveness responds to another, people's, another person's evil with good. We don't return one hurt with another hurt. And then forgiveness relinquishes our right to get even. We hand over our judgment about them to a God who is righteous and perfect in his judgment. We let go of our condemnation and we give them over to God to judge them righteously. But vengeance belongs to God and to God alone. Forgiveness doesn't seek revenge. Which brings me now to my text when we talk about the last thing uh, that forgiveness is. It repeats the forgiveness as many times as is necessary. Are you getting tired? Are you? You need to take a seat? No. 
It repeats the forgiveness many times over. Look at Matthew chapter 18. We talked about this story a little bit last night, and I, I hesitate to use it again this morning, but for the sake of those who were not here this uh, last night, I think it's really necessary to this lesson. And I want to do something, and I want to read this very familiar passage and story from the New Century Version so that you hear it a little bit different. It gets heavy after a while, doesn't it? That's the point, Ender. That's the point. Verse 21. Then Peter came and asked him, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars, the New Century Version calls it. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and his children, everything that he owned so that he could pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged, please be patient with me. I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went out and found a fellow servant who owed him a thousand dollars, a few thousand dollars, and he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servants fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it all back, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put into prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man who had, he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you the tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Is it heavy? Lay your burden down. Thank you. Will you thank Ender for me? Thank you. I appreciate it, brother. I know some of you are really sympathizing with him after a little bit. This parable reminds me of something that happened many years ago. In 1995, 28-year-old Nicholas William Leeson was an unsupervised derivative broker for Barings Bank, which was England's oldest bank at that time. And he was involved in investing other people's money in speculative trading. trading. And he was playing around with various accounts, moving money from this account over to that account. And he was trying to cover up his own mismanagement of many of these funds. But soon his luck ran out. And he used one of Baring's errors accounts to correct some of his bad trading and to hide his losses. But eventually, his losses totaled one point four billion that's with a b 1.4 billion 
twice the bank's available holdings, and it caused the collapse of the oldest bank in England. He literally incurred a debt that he could never pay back. That's the story that Jesus tells about a man that owed his master more money if he lived several lifetimes, a thousand lifetimes. He could never pay back the debt that he owed, and he begs for mercy, and the master has pity on him and takes compassion upon him, and he forgives the debt in full. And then that servant goes out and he finds another fellow servant who just owes him a fraction of the amount of money that he owed his master. And he chokes him and he demands that he be paid right this moment. And this other servant uses the exact same words, be patient with me. I promise I will pay every bit of it back to you. But he wouldn't accept that. In fact, he had him thrown into prison until he could pay back what was owed, which makes no sense to me whatsoever. And then the master finds out what has been done, and he says, you wicked servant. I forgave your debt. I forgave all of your debt, as great as it was. You couldn't forgive a small debt? Toward your own fellow servant. And so the master had him thrown into prison until he could pay for all that he owed. And Jesus said, that's what my heavenly father will do to you and to me if we do not have in our hearts the forgiveness necessary to forgive others. It is probably one of the most difficult things that any one of us will ever be called upon to do to forgive someone who has hurt us or someone we love greatly. I know it sounds easy, but you know how difficult it can be. And I think that there are some cases even in this room that you're carrying around some burdens far more difficult than the big rock that I carried in this morning. It may be that you have been violated by a parent or a relative sometime in the past, and they have just gone on with their life as though nothing ever happened. And you have been left to put your life together. Maybe you had a spouse who abandoned you and walked away, and they started life all over again with someone else and you're left to pick up the pieces of your life perhaps it was a co-worker that made a terrible mess of things at your place of work and it was up to you to figure it out and to straighten up the mess and somehow they got the credit for how well things worked out and you don't like it and you want them punished, and you want credit for working it out, and you resent them because they got the credit. Maybe you have a grown child who has hurt you deeply by something that they did or something that they said, and they show no humility, and they show no contrition, 
and it makes you angry. Maybe you've lost a child or a parent due to someone else's negligence and they act like they don't care and they have never asked for your forgiveness. How are you supposed to forgive someone if they don't show any contrite heart, if they don't ever ask for your forgiveness? How are you supposed to forgive someone who doesn't act like they need forgiveness? Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verses 27 and 28, But I say to you, those of you who are listening, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. And you might say, I don't know, I might, I might be able to come to a place where I don't wish them any more ill will. I might come to a place in my life where I could even pray for them. But I don't know that I can come to a place in my life where I could love them and forgive them when they have never asked for forgiveness. So what do you do? In Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, he says this in chapter 3, beginning at verse 12. It's very similar to the scripture reading from Ephesians just a little bit earlier. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Put on compassion and kindness, and humility, and meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. There it is. That's the key. You see, we don't forgive people because we're nice people. We don't forgive because we're doormats and we just let everybody walk all over us. We forgive people because God has forgiven us. We think in that parable that we're the servant that owes a little bit and we need to be forgiven of our little bit. We're not the servant who owed 100 denarii. We are the servant that owed 10,000 talents. We are the servant that owes God millions and millions by way of debt. God has forgiven us of every debt that we have incurred against him. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, he has forgiven every offense that we have committed, everything in the past, everything today, and everything in the future. God has forgiven us of it all. That's why we forgive those who have offended us or hurt us once or twice or seven times or even 70 times seven. That still does not add up to the amount of debt that we owed God. I know that's true of me. You could take all of my sins and you could load them into three semi-trucks and you would still have to leave some in the driveway. 
That's how much I have sinned against God. And you have too. And God has forgiven us of all of our sin. And he wants us to forgive others. And if you can forgive that person who's hurt you greatly, and that friendship or that family relationship can be reconciled, wonderful. Do that. Do everything that you can to offer forgiveness, to receive forgiveness, and to reconcile that relationship. But let's be honest. Sometimes, even in the midst of forgiveness, that relationship cannot be put back together. The reconciliation between you and another person, it's not going to be like it was before. And that's difficult. But you can still let go of the anger and the bitterness and the resentment and the thoughts of revenge. You can lay your burden down because it gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And it gets so heavy that you're not really able to love those that you need to be loving. It gets so heavy, you're not able to worship God the way that you really need to worship God. It becomes so heavy and you're so burdened down, you can't serve in his kingdom the way that you may want to serve because you're carrying around such a large rock that weighs you down and keeps you from loving and serving the way God has called you to. So today, let your heart be filled with forgiveness. Whatever your burden is, Whatever it is you're carrying around in your heart, lay it down today. Now, it may start with many of you to accept the forgiveness that God offers to everyone who believes in His Son, Jesus Christ, will put their faith in Him, turn away from a life of sin, and confess the sweet name of Jesus to be immersed in the waters of baptism, to be raised in newness of life, to be washed thoroughly clean by the blood of Jesus. Maybe you need to accept God's forgiveness in your life today. But I dare say there's some in the room. The forgiveness that you need to receive today is the forgiveness that you give to yourself. Because of something you did a long time ago that brought pain into your life, brought suffering and misery into your life, that hurt people that you cared about and it hurt them greatly, and you have been carrying around the guilt of that for far too long. Maybe today, the person you need to forgive is you. I love the words of 1 John chapter 1 that says, if we, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. There is not a single person in this room who is free of sin. We're all sinners. But if we confess our sins, all confession means is you're honest. You're honest with God. You're honest with other people. And you're honest with yourself. You don't try to pretend that you never sinned and you've always got your act together and you don't hurt people from time to time. If you confess your sins, if all of us will confess our sins, it says that God is faithful and he is just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us 
from all unrighteousness. And if God has forgiven you of all the unrighteous things that you have done in your past, maybe the time has come for you also to forgive yourself, to let go and to let God have it, and to lay your burden down. Whatever you do this morning, when you leave this place, don't carry that big rock with you. Let us pray for you. Let us take your name to the heavenly throne this morning and let us pray that God will forgive you, that you will let go of it enough that you'll forgive yourself. And if there's something that this church can help you to do to be reconciled with someone, then let's take those steps. But whatever you do, don't leave this morning carrying that burden as we stand and as we sing.